Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. We haven't seen each other for 10 weeks already, but we hope and pray that all of you are doing well. I know that there are so many things that are uncertain now, but rest assured that God is always in control. And, of these, and all of these are part of His good and perfect plan. People might think that bad things happen only to cause us harm, but we learned last week from Genesis that God works everything for the good of his people, just as he did for Joseph and his brothers. And with that, we end our series in the book of Genesis. So today we are going to begin diving into another book. If you remember, our goal is to preach through all the books of the Bible before we reach our 100th year anniversary. And this year we are on our third book already. We have finished Colossians and Genesis, so now we are heading into the fourth gospel, the gospel of John in the New Testament. Before we dive into our passage today, allow me to give a brief background to the book of John. John's gospel is very unique as compared to the other three gospels. The gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are said to have been sourced from each other. And that is why many of their materials are similar to one another. And so, these three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospel. But John is not part of that. If you read through the Gospel of John, you will see that many of his materials are exclusive to his Gospel only. Which means you won't read about them in, other, in the other three Gospels. For example, the wedding in Cana. Also, the encounter with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, the raising of Lazarus, and the upper room discourse, and many others. The possible reason for this uniqueness of this gospel is because it is written by the Apostle John, by the Apostle John himself. Not only was John part of the Twelve, but he was also part of Jesus' inner circle. The two being, the two other being Peter and James. And John refers to himself in the gospel as the apostle whom Jesus loved. But this is not the only book written by John that is included in the canon of our Bibles. He also wrote the epistles 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, which many people confuse as the Gospel of John. I myself was included in that. Before, I was trying to look for John 3.16, nandun pala ako sa epistle of 1 John, kaya hindi ko mahanap. John also wrote the book of Revelations. But the most important thing we need to understand about the Gospel of John is his purpose for writing his gospel. And it is found in verse 20, verse 31. It says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, when I went through evangelism explosion training, we always give out a copy of the book of John to the people we share the gospel to. Why? Because everything John wrote in his gospel is to help everyone who reads it to know and believe who Jesus is, so that they may have life in him. 
That is John's singular goal for writing his gospel. Because you know, during John's time, there were so many false teachings that led people astray from this simple truth. So please keep this purpose in mind as we go through the book in the following weeks or as you study the book yourself. But don't think, don't think that since you have already believed in Jesus, you don't need this book already. Ah, graduate na ako dyan. I've already believed in Jesus. No, because there's so many things in this world that will shake and test our faith. There's so many things in our world that will lead us astray, lead us away from this truth. But this gospel, the gospel of John will help anchor our faith to the one and only Lord and Savior of the world, and that is Jesus Christ. I hope I have whet your appetite for John's gospel. Now let's dive into the passage for today. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 18, the prologue in the gospel of John. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. May God bless the reading of his word. Now, John wrote this beautiful prologue to his gospel that we just read to tell us one thing. The eternal word came as the incarnate word to save us from our fallen world. Let me repeat. The eternal word came as the incarnate word to save us from our fallen world. Now, the important question to ask is this. Who is this word? This word with a capital W. I know many of us already know the answer to this question, so I'll answer this later. 
But now I want to focus, focus on how John described this word with a capital W. John opened his gospel by saying, in the beginning, in the beginning, bringing his readers back to the very first book of the Bible, which tells us how everything began. We immediately recognize this because we just finished the book of Genesis. But you know, the curious thing is what comes after the words, in the beginning. Our mind expects, in the beginning, God. But surprisingly, what John tells us is, in the beginning was the Word. Now, what happened to God? Who the heck is this Word? Are we talking about the same history here? But John continues on. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through this brilliant composition, John introduces to us the second person of the Trinitarian God, the eternal Word. The Word was there in the very beginning before anything was created. He was there with God, telling us that the Word is distinct from God the Creator. Hindi siya parehas. They're different. They're, they're two different persons. And finally, John says the Word is himself God. Just as God was there before creation, this divine eternal word was there with him. But what was the role of the word in creation? Was he a mere powerless spectator, just, just there to watch? No, John tells us the word was the instrument of creation. God made the world through the word. Verse 3, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. God the creator created the world through the word, through this word. And to be more specific, the word was responsible for life on earth, and he is the source of light that shines in the darkness, just as we have seen in Genesis chapter 1. In John 1 verse 4 to 5, it's John says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just like the world, it was in darkness before, until God made light. And God made light through the Word. The truth that John wants to drive in the hearts of his readers is this. The Word was himself God. The Word was God. It's not an angel, not a prophet, not any other heavenly being. No, the eternal Word was God. And who is this eternal Word? Who is this eternal Word? In verse 17, John reveals to us his name. His name is Jesus Christ. Remember John's purpose for writing his gospel? So that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the eternal Word, who was with God in the beginning, who himself is God, through whom all created things were created. The simple truth is Jesus is God. 
Now, why is this truth so important for us to understand? Because from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry and up until today in our generation, this truth that Jesus is God has always been challenged, always been denied, always been rejected by the world. The world denies that Jesus is God. They say he is merely a good man, a prophet, not the God, but only a God with a small letter G. But John wrote his gospel in the midst of many false teaching about Jesus, and he wants to make this one thing clear. Jesus was no prophet. Jesus was no angel. Jesus, the one we call Lord and Savior, is God. Jesus is God. You know, in our last prayer meeting, one of our deacons shared that while having our prayer meeting, she received a call from an unknown number. When she answered, it was a call from a Jehovah's Witness who wants to share the Bible to her. But you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Jehovah's Witness used the Bible to prove that Jesus is not God, but only a God, a small with small letter G, created by the God. They will even use John chapter 1 to prove their point, saying that there was a mistranslation from the Greek, that it, should, it, that it should have been translated as, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, small letter g. They argue this because of the lack of the definite article in the Greek manuscript. But let me tell you this that this is only a lack of understanding of the use of the Greek language. And the context clears all confusion that the word was not a created being, but God himself. When it says, and without him was not anything made that was made, telling us explicitly and emphatically and crystal clear that anything in the category of made, Christ made it. Therefore, Christ was not made before, because before you exist, you can't bring yourself into being. Christ was not made. That is what it means to be God. And the word was God. Jesus is God. By the way, I got that from John Piper. You see, brothers and sisters, even in the midst of COVID-19 and even in the midst of lockdown, false teachings do not stop. The enemy does not take a rest in leading you away from our Lord, leading you away from the truth. So we need to understand our Bibles. You have to know your Lord and Savior so that you will not be led away from the truth. The truth that Jesus is the eternal word from the beginning. The truth that our Lord Jesus is God. And the eternal word came as the incarnate word to save us from our fallen world. Now, now what happened to this eternal word? After creation, what did he do? Verse 14 tells us the most wonderful thing that happened in the history of all creation. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal word, 
the light of the world, the source of life, the agent of creation, made himself part of creation. The eternal word came as the incarnate word. God became man. And not only did he made himself part of his creation, he also lived with his creation. The Greek of the word dwelt literally means pitched his tent. Pitched his tent. You put a tent, that's what God did. The God of creation, the eternal word, became the incarnate word and pitched his tent on this earth that he might be among creation. The God of the universe pitched his tent on this broken world so that he might live with us. This was already anticipated in verse 9 when John says, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And just like the opening verses, which points us back to Genesis, verse 14 points us back to Exodus, where the Lord started living among the Israelites through the wilderness in a tent, which was the tabernacle. That is why King David warned, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Here we see the heart of God from the very beginning. God desires to be with his creation. He loves to be with his people. And this is opposed to what many people believed about God. You know, being a 90s boy, I always hear a song on the radio when I was a kid. And the song goes like this. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. You know, our world believes in a distant God who only, who does not care and only waiting to judge us. Even those who profess they believe in God thinks he is far and hard to reach. That is why they pray to Mary they pray to the saints, thinking that through them, they can finally reach God. But what they fail to see is that God was the one who first reached out to us. When the eternal word came as the incarnate word, God became man and reached out to you and to me. And his name is Jesus Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Brothers and sisters, we do not have a distant God. We have a God who is with us. In the, the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. That is why they call Him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And until now, Jesus lives in us through His Spirit, even in the midst of lockdown, even in the midst of COVID-19. Verse 14 says, We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John's use of grace and truth here is the Greek equivalent of Hebrew, of the Hebrew steadfast love and faithfulness. 
Meaning, through Jesus becoming man and living with us is the ultimate manifestation of God's undying love and faithfulness to us. Verse 17 tells us, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And this truth has one more important implication for us. When God became man and dwelled among us, we see what kind of God we have. We have a missionary God. We have a missionary God. Before he commanded his disciples to go and make disciples, he already went out of his way and came to us. So, brothers and sisters, as the God of the universe came for us, how much more should we go to others and tell them this wonderful truth? And as we go, the truth still stands. Jesus promised he will be with us to the end of age. Brothers and sisters, the eternal word came as the incarnate word to save us from our fallen world. Hold on to this truth. Our God is always with us. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now that we understand that Jesus is the eternal word who came as the incarnate word, let us now understand what he came to do. And the answer is found right smack in the middle of our passage. Look at verse 10 to 12. He says, He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The Apostle John sums up here the ministry of the incarnate word here on earth. It was not all fun and celebration. But that is what it's supposed to be if you know that your God has come to be with you, right? You celebrate with joy. But no, the world he came to save did not receive him. Instead, they rejected him. That, ha that is how fallen our world is. The true light came to the world to bring the people out of darkness, but the people preferred to stay in darkness. Many of you know I studied at home Christian high school, but I live far away. I live in Tandang Sora, Quezon City. And every morning to get to school, I have to wake up 5 a.m. and eat breakfast, then go to school. Our helper is the one who wakes me up in the morning every 5 a.m. She will wake me up and then she will open the bright light in my room so that I will get up. And I hated every day of it. What I do so is I cover my face with the blanket and try to get sleep for a few more minutes. And when I'm really not in the mood, I will stand up and turn off the light and go back to bed. I don't know how many of you guys do that, but I do that. You see, that is how our world reacted when the incarnate word came. They hid from him and rejected him. That is how fallen our world is. But still, he came. He came to save our fallen world. Even when the world rejected him, he did not stop. 
He did what he came here to do for those who wants to be saved. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is bringing us back to how God created us to be children of God. But brothers and sisters, never ever think that since God created us to be his children in the first place, we deserve to be his children once again. We don't deserve it. I'm sorry, but we have lost that right when we chose to sin against God. When we choose to live in darkness instead of light, we have lost that privilege of being children of God. Instead, we have become enemies of God. And that is why the eternal word has to come and be the incarnate word to give us that right once again. And he gave us that right, not through our effort, but through his sacrifice. The incarnate word came to die. And that is what Jesus did. Philippians says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Brothers and sisters, that is what Jesus came here to do. He came to save us from this fallen world by dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. So that those who will receive him can once again live and have eternal life as children of God. The eternal word came as the incarnate word to save us from our fallen world. Now that you know this important truth, John gives us only two choices. One is to reject him and continue to live in darkness. The second choice is to receive him and be given life as a child of God once again. When the Bible says receive, it is not just simply believing as head knowledge who he is and what he did for us. Receiving means completely accepting his place in your life as the Son of God, as the Lord and Savior of your life. Brothers and sisters, this is the reason why John wrote this gospel, to give us the truth. But the choice is still up to you. The question is, do you reject Jesus or do you receive him? And for those of us who have already received Jesus in their life, the challenge for us is to keep trusting in Jesus. No matter what is happening in our world today, let us be reminded who our Lord and Savior is as we put our trust in Him. No, the world might force us to abandon our faith, but let me tell you this, God will not abandon you. He has come to give you life and have it to the full, even in the midst of lockdown, even in the midst of COVID-19. And another challenge is to share this wonderful truth to others 
when you're sharing the gospel, maybe you could give them a copy of the book of John or maybe you encourage them to read John themselves so that they will know for themselves who Jesus is. Let me end with a story. You know, during this ECQ, I started subscribing to Netflix so that it won't be too boring at home. This week, I watched The Bucket List. And at the end of the movie, when the multimillionaire Edward, Edward Cole was giving a eulogy for his friend Carter, he said in his eulogy, I'm deeply proud that this man has found it worthwhile to know me. So when the, when when one day, when I go to some final resting place, when I happen to wake up to a certain wall with a gate, I hope that Carter's there to vouch for me and show me the ropes on the other side. Well, brothers and sisters, when you receive Jesus in your life, you can be sure that someone is vouching for you on the other side of the gate. And he will say, let him in, for I have already died and given my life for him. Jesus Christ is the eternal word who came as the incarnate word to save us from our fallen world. May we receive him and hold on to him as we live our everyday lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this time that we may learn about this good news that John has brought to us, that the eternal word became the incarnate word to save us from our fallen world. And Lord, this world may lead us astray, but Lord, help us to hold on to this truth. Hold on to this truth that Jesus is God that Jesus is our Savior, he, who came here on this earth to save us from our sins. And right now, I want to ask those of you who haven't received Jesus Christ in your life, I hope that you will take this opportunity to receive Jesus. You have heard of this good news. The question is, will you reject him or receive him? If you received him, if you want to receive him in your life today, you can say a prayer to God, accepting Jesus in your life. If you don't know how, you can follow this prayer. Father in heaven, I know I am a sinner. I know I have lost the right to become children of God. But Lord, I want to ask for your forgiveness. I want to ask for your salvation. I want to receive Jesus Christ the Son of God, as my Lord and Savior. I give my life to Him, and I trust that I will have life in Him. Amen. And Amen. Thank you, and have a good week.